Lord, speak to me through your word. Speak to me through your word. Speak to me through your word. Let your word come alive unto me. Let my life never be the same again. In the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for your word, O God. Enlighten our eyes. Enlighten the eyes of our understanding. Let our lives never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So I'm very excited to start a new series. And the title of this series is We His Servants. We His Servants. And I, and, and I have this title from our very last message before Open Heavens, where we did the part three of Arise and Build. And in Nehemiah 2 verse 20, Nehemiah said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. So Nehemiah says that because God will prosper us, we his servants will arise and build. And and when Nehemiah made this statement, we his servants, he was specifying the relationship that existed between themselves and God. Now, God relates to us in different ways. God is our father. God is our king. God is our lord. God is our master. God is our savior. God is our provider. God is our healer. God has different relationships with us. And God is our master and we are his servants. And when it comes to a master-servant relationship, it, it places a certain responsibility on us. Because as servants, we are yielded to what the master says. So Nehemiah says that we, his servants, I am God's servant, you are God's servants. Please turn to your neighbor and tell the person, you are God's servant. Turn to another neighbor and tell the person, you are God's servant. And tell the person, God is the master. Now, when we talk about a servant, a servant is a person that is working in the service of another. So, servants do not parade themselves about and make it look like they are in charge. Servants are actually there to do the bidding of another person. And so, when we talk about the servants of God, we are there to do the bidding of God. We are there to do what God wants us to do. We are there to serve God and serve God's people. As servants, we are there to serve God We are there to serve God's kingdom and we are there to serve God's people. And so now that we have done a little bit of refreshment, because this is part of the message that we did in the part three, I want us to turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 1, verse 67 to 76. Luke chapter 1, verse 67 to 76. The Bible says, now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit, and that is John's father, and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham. To grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. I want you to take note of that. To grant us that we, 
being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Hallelujah. Now, this is a very interesting passage because Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and, and he was prophesying concerning those of us who become a part of God's kingdom. Now, the people of Israel were expecting redemption from God because they had been under the rule of different nations. And at that time when Zachariah was prophesying, they were under the rule of the Roman Empire. And so, there were Roman soldiers in Israel, I mean, during the time of Zechariah, and, and they were subject to the rule of the empire. So, the people of Israel, whilst God had given them a message that the Messiah will come and redeem them, all that their minds was on is that the Messiah was going to come as a military person to save them from the hand of the Roman rule. In their minds, they thought that there was someone who was going to come and mobilize them and do demonstration and do protest and then fight against the government and redeem them. But they didn't know that God's desire was not just to save them from their physical enemies. God's desire was to save them from everything that had held them in bondage. And so at this moment, when John was born, at the old age of Zachariah, Zachariah who had been dumped now his mouth was opened and the Bible says that he was full of the Holy Spirit and he began to speak prophetic words. And as part of the prophetic words, he said that God will grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. So now Zechariah was not just prophesying to the people of Israel. He was prophesying to all of us who become a part of God's kingdom. To all of us that God will redeem us from the hand of our enemies so that we will serve him, not just without fear, but in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. Because you know what? If God delivers you from the hand of your physical enemies, it means you can serve him without fear. But that does not mean you can serve him in holiness and righteousness. So what, what Zachariah was saying is that this thing that I'm saying is not just about the physical enemies that are here. There's something that holds us in bondage and does not allow us to serve God in holiness and righteousness. And God says that by virtue of the coming of the Messiah, you are going to be redeemed and you're going to be saved so that now you can serve God without fear in holiness and in righteousness. Oh, hallelujah. So when John appeared... It gave a signal to Zachariah that the Messiah was there or the Messiah was also coming. And so God's redemption plan was coming. And, and, and so the big question is, what are the enemies that, that Zachariah was talking about that God will redeem us from so that we can serve him without fear? The very first enemy is sin. And that is why it's very interesting because um, I didn't even know Vicky was going to lead um, the prayer in that direction. But it, it, it's just in line with some of the things that God has delivered us from. So the very first enemy that God delivered us from so we can serve him is what? The enemy called sin. Romans chapter 6 verse 20 to 22. Romans 6 20 to 22. It says, for when you were slaves of sin. Can you imagine? We, we were what? Slaves of sin. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, 
having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Can you imagine? Can I tell you something? When Jesus Christ came to die for you and to save you, one of the enemies that he saved you from was sin. You were a slave to sin. And that is why you could sin ajar. I mean, you sin without thinking about it because when you are a slave to something, you are at the command of that particular thing. The thing is your master. But you see, Paul again writes and says that sin shall no more have dominion over us. So the power of Christ on the cross and in his resurrection brought salvation from the hold of sin. That is why I am here to declare to you that if you are saved and redeemed by the blood of Jesus, you are no longer a slave to sin. Oh, I, I thought you would praise God for that. That you are no longer what? A slave to sin. He redeemed you and delivered you from sin because he wants you to be able to serve him in all holiness and righteousness and without fear. No, when you are born again, although you might have, you might be growing and in your pro the process of growing, you might fall to certain sins, you are no longer a slave to sin. He saved you. He redeemed you. You are not helpless and you are not hopeless because sin no longer has the power over you. That is why today you can go and walk out of this place and say, look, I'm no longer going back to that thing because I'm no longer a servant or a slave to sin. He redeemed me and saved me from the bondage of sin. For the person out there who is not saved, they, 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 are, they are slaves to sin. I mean, sin sends them and they go. Sin sends them and they are, I mean, let's do it. You do Smoke, you do. I mean, you, you've realized those who are in serious addictions and are not saying, they tell you, when, when those who come out of it, they tell you their story and it's very interesting. They tell you, like, I don't know, but like, it just comes, it just hits me and we go. Like when we were in SHS, there was a time, I don't know what sort of spirit entered into the voice and there was the smoking, the smoking became like multiplied to whatever. At dawn, when I am going to pray, you will see the boys, they are just going like that to the bush to go and smoke. And they come back in the morning and like they are high. And one of the guys we're talking to, and you know what? The Lord gave me a revelation, interestingly, because we're praying for them. We're praying that God will save them. Then one particular day, I laid down and when I laid down, I, I saw myself like, like it was like a vision, dream, I don't know how to explain it, whatever it was, but I saw myself smoking and in the dream, it was so nice on my tongue, like the thing was delicious. Like I could feel the heat in my mouth, but I could also feel a certain sweetness. So then when I woke up, then the Lord just brought the revelation, like this is how the thing has captured them and held them in bondage because for you, you, you're on the outside it doesn't make any sense for someone to go and smoke and then get mad or like you know, behave, misbehave, but when they are smoking, this is the, the kind of excitement they get because the thing is, is a master over them and so there are a lot of people who are slaves to sin, but thanks be to God that you are saved and you are redeemed and you are delivered and that you are not going to any sin because you are saved and he says that he did not just save you from the, from, the, from the slavery of sin. He made you a slave of God. So do you know what? God, because when God saved you from the master of sin, he had to give you a new master. And the new master is himself. 
So that you, you don't go back serving another thing. He says that what? He made you what? A slave of God. The second thing that God saved us from or redeemed us from is the law. Romans chapter 7 verse 5 to 6. Romans 7 verse 5 to 6. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law. Mm. Having died to what we are held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. And you know, when the Bible says that God has delivered us from the law, it means that God delivered you from what, what you were supposed to have done to be in his presence. Can you imagine the Israelites, apart from the Ten Commandments, they had over 600 social and moral laws. If you are a lady and you are at that time of the month, if you were under the law, you will not be seated here today. No, because you are not permitted to come into the congregation of the saints. That is just one law. Just imagine the number of, and if you are a guy and you are married to the lady, and then the lady was in that time of the month, for instance, I'm the pastor, and my wife was at that time of the month, she can't come. But assuming we are working in the house and my body touched her, it means me too, I can't come. <laughs> me too, I can't come to church. So you become, and you wonder, where's Pastor Emma? I am unclean. I have to wash down and wait till the evening comes before I become clean. I mean, under the law, Nico, if you didn't have the money to buy pigeons and turtle doves and, and goats and lambs so that you go and sacrifice, it means that you, your sin, eh, it disqualifies you from coming here because there's nothing that you can do to, to, to take care of your little, little sins that you do. So Paul says that you and I were redeemed from the power of the law because for the law, none of us qualifies. As a matter of fact, if the law was still in existence, you and I were first of all not Israelites, so we don't even come anywhere near the the temple, we will be at the, the court of the Gentiles. They call it the court of the Gentiles. It's the outside, outside. Like, for instance, if you are taking this church, this place is the inner court. Um, the, compound will be, the, the compound will be the outer court. And then outside the gate is the, the car park. That is the court of the Gentiles. That is where you and I, like on a Sunday morning, if we're coming to church, that's where you and I would have been. Then the rest of the Israelites will be in the, on the compound, in the inner court. Then the priest and the Levites will be here. And then the high priest, he cries, it's only once in a year. He will go into the Holy of Holies. Can you imagine? So you and I in the queue, eh, we're nowhere near the Holy of We're nowhere near the presence of God. But thanks be to God that through Jesus Christ, he saved us and redeemed us from the power of the law. So that today, wherever we stand, we can go Directly to God, without any hindrance, without any impediment, without any obstacle. If I were you, I'll praise God for that. Because the queue, you would have been at there somewhere. <laughs> Hallelujah! At least for the for, for us, the guns, we 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 try to take pride in. I don't know whether it's a deception or something, some excitement that we have our traits from Israel. So at least me, I would have been closer to the queue. <laughs> But the Lord delivered us from the power of the law. Then the next thing that God delivered us, another enemy that he delivered us from, the devil and death. Ooh. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 to 15. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 to 15. 
He says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. So Jesus had to die so he can destroy the power of death. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. So do you know what? Another enemy that Jesus saved us from is what? Death and from the devil. So he says that Jesus had to die so that he would defeat two things at the same time. He would defeat the devil and defeat the one who holds the key to death. That's the devil. So through his death, he redeemed you. That is why you don't have to be afraid of Satan. Stop being afraid of Satan. Stop being afraid of the witches and wizards in your family because he has redeemed you from their slavery and from their bondage and from their hands. And that's why you have to stop being afraid of death. Some of you here, when you, something little pain, you jump like, you jump like, even the jumping can kill you before the actual thing. <laughs> you are so afraid of dying that the fear of dying actually kills you. I heard, I, <laughs> I heard that there was, there, I don't know how true the story is, but there was an accident. Like this guy was so afraid that by the time the car like landed, he was dead. Like the accident did not happen, no, but he was so afraid that <laughs> he died before the accident actually happened. Some of some of you are too afraid, but he has redeemed you from the power of death and from the power of the devil. That is why when the devil comes attacking you and trying to put you in fear so you don't serve, tell the devil that God delivered me from you and he gave me the power to serve him without fear in holiness and in righteousness. So devil, get thee behind me. When the witches and wizards tell you whatever they want to tell you and they are planning, declare to them and tell them that God delivered me from your master. So as for you, you are nothing. Oh, if I were you, I'll praise God for that. He delivered you. He saved you from the hand of the wicked one. Because do you know what the devil would have been doing to you? The other day someone was giving a narration about what the devil would have been doing to us. He had a bed in a cage. And he says that sometimes when he's just there, he just feels like going and then he plucks the feathers of the bed. And you can see the bed is in pain. But he's just, he's just enjoying doing that. You know, that's what the devil was doing with us. He kept you in a cage, and when he's there, and he just wants to get excited because he comes, he tempers with something. He just, he just like, yeah. After all, you belong to him. No, you belong to him. He, the Bible says he's the God of this world. You belong to him. That is why when the devil was tempting Jesus Christ, he said that, "Look, you bow to me. All of these things I will give to you." Because he knew Jesus came to save us and redeem and restore everything to us. He says, "Let me give you the easy way because I am in charge here." But thanks be to Jesus Christ. The day he died, the Bible says that he made public spectacle of the principalities and powers. He made a public show of them and told them that, look, death, you no longer have authority over the people that I have redeemed. By my power, I have saved them and I have redeemed them. That is why you and I can rejoice and enjoy the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Oh, yesterday something interesting happened. I was driving and I was playing a certain song just in worship and all of a sudden like my spirit was so lifted to a point like I was like God I just want to be right with you like I wasn't afraid of death I was like God like at this moment I, I, I would not mind 
transitioning from this earth and view. Because when you understand that he has redeemed you from death, you know to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. Oh, some of you did not get that. No, to be absent in this body is what? Present with the Lord. So why do I have to fear death? After all, it is my prophet when I exit. But it is your prophet when I am with you here. Now, the last enemy that, that I, want to, I want to say that God delivered us from is dead works. Dead works. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13 to 14. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Can you imagine, when we talk about dead works, we are saying that the works that leads to death. You know, a lot of us, you realize that if Jesus hadn't saved you, eh, the kind of choices you would have made by now, it would have ended you in many tears. <laughs> no, it, it would have ended you in many tears. That we, we call them dead works because they land you in trouble. You would have been pregnant without knowing who the father was. Because in the month, you had about five different guys. I mean, you would have been smoking and by the time we see you're on the road and then you're looking at Ghanaian and saying that, I can see your leg. <laughs> and you're touching the head and you're like, I can see you. I mean, so God saved you from what? Dead works. Things that will land you in trouble. Things that would destroy you. Some of you, you'd have stolen, they would have put you in jail, stolen again, put you in jail. I mean, the police and the prison wants to be tired of you and say, please, enough. <laughs> Dead works. But God, what? Saved you. He redeemed you. He delivered you. If I were you, I would take 30 seconds and praise God that he saved me, that he redeemed me, that he delivered me from the hand of the enemy and from dead works and from sin and from the law and from death. So this is what Zachariah was prophesying about. He said that, that to grant us that we being delivered from our enemies, these are our enemies. No, not, not your workmate. Not, that's not your enemy. No, no. So stop praying that prayer and, and telling God that God, please kill the person. That's not your enemy. The proper enemies are the ones we have talked about. Those are the ones that God saved you from. But look at something. God did not just save you. He saved you so you will serve. So, so let's, take, let's take that line out and read it like this. To grant us that we, so let's take the being delivered from the hand of our enemies and read the whole passage again. To grant us that we might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the day. So, the reason why God saved you is so that you can what? Serve him. When God wanted to redeem the people of Israel from Egypt, this is what he told Moses, that God tell Pharaoh that let my people go so they will worship me or the same way they will serve me on this mountain. God's redemption plan is to lead us into service. Someone did not get that. God's redemption plan is to what? Lead us into what? Service. So that God saves us and redeems us from a slave and now he makes us his own slave. And, and look, I want, to be the, I want to be the slave of God. In fact, this morning I prayed, I told God, like, God, use me. Like, use me. Ah, to you. Like, use me. 
No, no, like in, in the bad boy's parlance, when we talk about the bad boy who is using, who is using girl, he said the bad boy used the girl. Uh, like, but me, I don't want the bad boy one. I said, God, use me. Like, like whatever you want to do, do with me. And, and I've prayed this prayer. I told God, God, I don't want to leave this earth with anything that belongs to this earth. So use me till I am empty. By the time I appear in heaven, nothing of the earth belongs to I mean, will be with me. Like, everything that belongs to this earth will be left here on this earth. And like Paul, I want to get to a place where I'll be telling Vicky that right now, I don't know whether I should die or not. Like, that's what Paul said. (laughs) Paul said, "I, I don't know whether to die or not. If I don't die, it is for your profit. If I die, it is for my profit. But just for your sake, I will stay a little. That, that's actually Paul's conversation. I mean, can, no, can I please sincerely ask any of you, can you at this moment say the same thing? That, that like, I'm choosing between death and life. I don't know whether I should die. I mean, that is a strange way to live. But that means that he had allowed God to use him, to use him so much that he got to a place that was like, okay, I am done with what I'm supposed to be done with. Now, it's time to go. But if I go now, these people cry to worry them a little. So let me stay around a little. So God saved us. So we serve him. Now, one of your prayers you're going to pray from today is that God, use me. Like God, use me. And say it like in the raw way, God, use me. Like, say, God, use me. No, let God have his way because he saved you from one slave in order that you will become a slave so you can serve him. But you know the beautiful thing about God, the word serve that is used here is a very interesting word because it means to work for a hire or to work to be paid. Can you imagine that God bought you from the hand of the enemy He saved you from being a slave of the enemy. He made you his slave, but yet he says that when you work for me, I'll still pay you. Oh, oh no, some of you did not get that one. No, Nico, in the olden days, when I buy you as a slave, when I buy you from another master and you become my slave, I have bought you, so I don't owe you anything. Whatever work you do for me, it is because I bought you. And because I bought you, you rather owe me. So everything that you do, you're supposed to do because I bought you. No, that, that's how it worked. So, so if we're using the same analogy, because Paul was in the same day, then if God bought us from the hand of sin, from the hand of death, from the hand of the devil, from the hand of the law, from the works, from what? Dead works. Then we actually owe everything to God because he paid the price and he took us out of the bondage of the enemy. But look at the beautiful thing about God. He says, although I have bought you and I have saved you and I have redeemed you from the bondage of the wicked one and you owe everything to me, when you work for me, I will pay you for the work. Some of you did not get that. I will pay you for the work that you are doing for me. This is how generous our God is. God is not obliged to pay you for the work you do for him. But he says that when you serve me, I will reward you. What a God. Like God, I thank you that I'm serving you. Because ideally, my whole life's work cannot even pay for the sacrifice of the son of God. 
No, there's absolutely nothing you can do that can match the sacrifice of the Son of God. You can work all you want to work for God. For 50 years, it can't match the sacrifice of Jesus. And so, really, you can't pay back the debt. But this is the beautiful thing about God. I, I love Nathaniel Bassett's new song. He says, you are the one that made the sacrifice. You made the payment and you don't come for refund. No, no. You, you, <laughs> he says that you made the payment. Look, you don't come back for what? Refund. Because no matter where I am, God says, I still like you. I still want to use you. I still want to have my way. God doesn't go back to the devil and say, Charlie, please, I bought Vicky. I have brought her back. Please, give me refund. <laughs> give me back my refund. God says that no matter where you find yourself, he wants to use you. You've got to avail yourself. You've got to open up yourself because he saved you to serve. So you can thank God that he saved you to serve. And the beautiful thing about God is that when you serve him, he pays you. He rewards you. He's a just master. So when Zechariah uses this word serve, in fact, in the Greek, it also means to minister to. And the word ministering to is, is attendance like a servant. You know, when you, it, it's attendance like a waitress or a waiter. When you go to the restaurant, the waiter is supposed to what? wait on you. That's why they are called waitresses or waiters. They are waiting. Waiting means that until I am done with you or until you are done with me, I will not move. That's actually the work of a waiter. And it's the same word that is employed for serving God. It says that until God, until you are done with me, I don't move. Can I ask you, is that your posture? No, no, is that your posture with God? You know, quite a number of times you say, I'm waiting on the Lord. You're not waiting. No, you are, it's rather God who is waiting on you. you. You are not waiting at all. Waiting on the Lord means that God, I am there for you till you are done. Sometimes people say, I'm waiting on the Lord. They go and pray for 30 minutes. I'm waiting on the Lord. Pray 30 minutes like I'm done. No, is God is God through with you? So God says that serving means that God, here I am at your service. Like God, if you want to use me in this capacity, I'm ready. God, you want first course, I'm ready. God, you know the thing about God is that you see the thing is when you go to the restaurant, it is your money that determines what you buy, right? It is not. It is not the capacity or the ability of the waitress that determines what you get. It is your, your, your buying power or your purchasing power that determines what you get out of the restaurant. And until you are done buying the things you buy, the waitress does not stop. So do you know what? Until God says that I am done with you, he does, I mean, you don't stop. So today God can say that I want you to do this. Just like when you go to a restaurant, you can order for first course. I want this. Or maybe I want some juice. And then you are talking and talking and talking and talking. Then can you please bring me some chips? Then talking and talking and talking. Can you please bring me some rice? And then, then, then can you please bring me some ice cream? Have you ever, even if the waitress is annoyed with you, she can't say it before you because you'll be fired. 
So you say, I want this, and then you are just going, can you please add this? I know you can be so annoying, but sometimes that's what God does. In the service of God, God might tell you to do one thing, Nico, and then he will ask you to do another thing, and he will ask you to do another thing because you are at a service, and it is what he wants that you do, not what you want. Because when he was delivering you and, save, and saving you from the hand of the enemy, you were not there when the negotiations were going on. He still saved you without a penny from you. So, so to serve, to serve, I want you to write these four things down. To serve, this same word serve means worship. But to serve, one, it is what we do for God out of our reverence for him. It is what we do for God out of what? Our reverence for him, our respect for him. Our service unto God is what we do because we respect God. So from today, you are serving in the house of the Lord because you respect God. Because you honor God. Yeah. You know, it's very interesting for us to, 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 to honor men and not honor God. This church is not like a big church currently. It is a big church in the spirit. But it's not a big church currently. But when you go to the big churches, you will see the men walking around the men of God. Please don't do that to me. No matter how big we are, I'm just Emmanuel We are all seven. But you know, I mean, they are around. Like this person is running. This person is passing here. Because one man is coming. The reason why they are doing it is that they are doing it. Some are doing it out of respect for the man of God. Others are also doing it because they just want to catch the eye of the man of God. Now, in our service to God, God wants us to be running around like that. But we are doing it because we reward. We honor him because we respect him. Because we honor him and we respect him. Number two, it is not about our needs but the needs of others. When you are serving God, it is not about your need. It is about what? The needs of others. And I always like to use the example of the chair. That no chair is made to sit on its own. Every chair is made for someone else to sit on. So you are not made for your needs. You are not saved to serve God for your needs. You are saved to serve God for the needs of what? Other people. Yesterday, I was, yesterday was one of the very exciting days for me when one of us shared with me and told me that, Pastor, I've been so blessed coming to this church and and the teachings and everything. I was happy because I felt like God has used me. Like I felt like, like someone's need has been met because I have built myself. And, and that is a joy to know that we are not doing it for ourselves. We are doing it for who? For God. And for others. Number three, it requires a lot of effort and activeness. If you are serving God, it requires a lot of what? Effort and activeness. If you are saved to serve you're going to put in effort. You put in work. Like for instance, I know the Christers, they don't, they don't like the, the I, I, they might not tell me, but coming to church at 7.30, they come at 7.30, the music team, to come and prepare. But it's effort. It requires what? Effort and work. You like it, you don't like it, you'll be here. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and, and number four, it does not go without a reward. It does not go without a reward. Whatever you are doing for God, it counts with what? A reward. And for me, I told myself that, Lord, I want to be on your payroll. Oh, God. No, like, I said this some time ago, so I'm actually on God's payroll now. I'm on God's payroll. And the other day, I was telling Vicky that um, 
So at the end of the month, God will pay us. He says, no, no, you don't have to wait on, at the end of the month. Then I got a revelation there that God's payroll is pay as you go. <laughs> oh, some of you did not get that. God's payroll is what? Pay as you go. You know, MTM, we have pay as you go. No, pay as you go means that as the thing is happening, then the pay, yes, you are being rewarded. So, so I'm serving and God. So God is not waiting for the end of the month to pay me. No, 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 no. Like you are doing it and the reward is coming. You are doing it and what? The reward is coming. Let me end with this. So then we understand that we are servants of God. We are not just children of God. We are what? Servants of God. And as servants, one, we are yielded. The servant does not do what he or she wants. So servants are what? Yielded. Please write it down. We are yielded. And tell yourself, I am yielded to God. I am surrendered to God. I have given my whole self to God. We are yielded. Number two, we are workers. The servant acts and gets things done. The servant acts and what? Gets things done. So we are yielded, but we are also workers. That is why I say that when we come to church, we don't only come for service in terms of coming to enjoy fellowship. We come to work. For us, when we come to church, it's also what? It's also work. It's also work. We are selfless. In fact, these are going to be our catchphrases as servants of God. One, we are yielded. Two, we are workers. Three, we are selfless. We are selfless. The servant does what serves the needs of others. Number four, we are obedient. We are obedient. Servants heed to the instructions that are given to them. When you go to a house and then you tell the, maybe a house help and then you tell the person do this and the person says, I won't do it. Can you imagine? What, what happens the next time? You are sacked. So servants are what? Obedient. You, you do what you are instructed to do. So we are obedient. And then we are available. Oh, available means that we are ready for the next task. You, you know the funny thing? I've, I've, I've been to some few houses where I've seen, like, for instance, they, they've given the person the house help work to do. The person has done the work. I just when the person finished and thought that he, he was going to rest. Then he said, eh, Kofi, eh, go and do this. Then the guy gets so annoyed. <laughs> Because in his mind, like, I, he thought, like, when I finish this particular work, I'm done. Then all of a sudden, they say, no, there are certain people who will not complain. They say, okay, yes, ma, yes, ma. Because that person has an attitude of, I'm available. The other one will be. The only reason why he can't do anything is because he's a servant. So, if he wishes that, like, the tables will turn. But, but your availability to God's work is very important to how God uses you. So servants are what? Available. We are available. We say, Lord, I just finished this task, but Lord, use me. I just finished that task, but Lord, use me. I remember there was a particular week that I had preaching engagements, I think practically almost every day in the week. Then I was also lecturing. And then I was, there was something else. So like, it was just back to back. And then the Sunday, I went to 
after church, I went to lecture in the morning because they had to have a Sunday lecture. Then after lecturing in the morning, I had a preaching engagement in the evening. Like, it was like, it was just back. I just had to pass through the house and change and then go. And then I looked at myself and I was like, oh, this is it. When God says he will use you, he will use you. When God says you use it, it's like it's from one thing to the other, to the other, to the other. So we tell ourselves that what we are what available. So you and I are going to make these five confessions together. Let's say we are yielded. Or say it like you mean it. We are yielded. Say we are workers. And say we are selfless. Say we are obedient. And say we are available. Hallelujah. Oh, wouldn't you want to be yielded? Wouldn't you want to be a worker? Wouldn't you want to be selfless? Wouldn't you want to be obedient? Wouldn't you want to be available for God's use? Can I conclude with this? That if you don't avail yourself for God to use you, something else or someone else will use you. Can I break it down a little before we close? That you know some of us, because we have not yielded ourselves for God to use us, our phones are using us. Oh, you can't imagine that your phone is actually your master. Have you realized how quickly your hand goes for your phone? You are there, just one minute, then your hand, it just picks it. Some of you, it is not the phone that is using you, it's the television that is using you. Because you have not yielded to God to be your master. Some of you, it's not television, it's your friends. Partners. Because you have not given yourself for God to use, they, they see that you have time. So they call for Kokonsa meeting. Now you don't need physical location for Kokonsa. Now the Kokonsa goes on online. Three page, four, four, uh, three persons, four persons WhatsApp group. And you can talk about everyone and everything. So other things are using you. If you don't allow God to use you, something else or someone else will use you. You know what? God delivered you to serve him. Don't go back into bondage. No, can I repeat that? God delivered you to serve him. Don't go back into bondage. Let God use you. Let God have his way. Let God be your master. Let God detect the pace of how things go in your life. Let God handle you and use you for whatever he wants to use you. That one will look at you we can look at your life and say, this one, used by God. In fact, there should be a label on your, on, on your life by the time you're exiting this earth. They should, we should write. In fact, Annie, assuming I go before you, let them write on my coffin, used by God. Like, we should look at your life and see that, like, God used you. Uh, like, there's nothing left of you used by God. And I pray that this will be our story and this will be our testimony in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So God willing, next week I'm going to do the second part of this where he says in serving him without fear in holiness and righteousness all the days of our lives. I'm going to take my time to explain it so that you realize that God wants to use you in a certain way. Not just want to use it. He wants to use it in a certain way. Shall I rise to our feet?